In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. On this glorious day, this Saturday of our Blessed Mother, we consecrate this teaching to your heart, Our Lady of Silence, that you continue through the power of the Holy Spirit to form us, to teach us, to help us, to guide us in the silence of union with our triune God. Amen. I'd like to begin sharing with you some words our Lord asked me to write last night right before our holy hour. He said, My little one, this retreat is being protected by a multitude of angels and saints. For God has found favor with you, meaning all of us. Be prepared for a great battle as you leave. But remain in my peace because you are the women God the Father has chosen to enter Mary's cloister to fight with her the great battle for my church and souls. Be centered in my love crucified. For Satan and his principalities cannot do you harm unless you permit him. This retreat has served to arm you in my holiness to defeat the principalities of darkness united as one to my holy mother. Rejoice, my little ones, with timbrel and dance, for God's victory is at hand. Remain in the silence of the cloister of my mother's immaculate heart. Amen. Well, I think it's very important for us to take these teachings very much to heart, especially on silence so that we really are clothed in Mary as God's warriors with her for this great battle. So we continue the teachings on the silence of the heart. And I think it's appropriate that we enter this morning in the silence of the dark night of desolation. 
Progress in the life of prayer must necessarily pass through what is called the dark night of the senses. This is an experience of dryness in prayer that can involve intense aridity and the feeling of abandonment by God. The purpose of this passive purification is to free us from dependence on sensible consolations in prayer. In the first nail in chapter four of our path, the Lord begins to prepare us for a time of desolation. And it's really a glorious time because it is in desolation that we're given the opportunity to show Jesus how much we truly love him. It's so easy in consolations to love him. But when he hides from us and leaves us in the darkness of faith, then it's our opportunity to say, this is how much I truly love you, my Lord. So the greatest place to be to stop thinking of ourselves and become true spouses of Christ. To really love him and be a consolation to him is in desolation. Therefore, when it knocks, like Maria's song says, La Soledad knocks at the door, we should be ready to open it with wide arms, an open heart. So we now can prove our love to Jesus. What a blessing. On March 2nd, 2011, the Lord taught us about the silence of desolation and how our hearts, when it comes, needs to be full of gratitude. He said to us, in desolation is when your life has the greatest power and is most fecund. In my desolation on the cross, my life shone more, most brilliantly the love of God the Father. My desolation made my faith in my Father radiate its perfection. Through my desolation, I gave birth to my church and all her sacraments. 
Through my desolation, I gave birth to all my sons, my priests. Through my desolation, the Holy Spirit expanded the maternal heart of my mother to embrace all of humanity. My sisters, it is in desolation that we too radiate who we truly are to others and to God. It is in desolation when our husbands and our children and our family members can really see and witness what true faith, hope, and love looks like. The Lord mentions the desolation is how he gave birth to the church, to his priest, and the expansion of Mary's maternal heart. It is in our times of desolation lived in the cloister of Mary's heart as one with her that the fullness of our feminine maternal hearts takes place and we're able to bring new life to our families, new life to souls, new life to priests, new life to the church, new life to the world. I continue. It is in your times of desolation, the Lord says, that the Holy Spirit and my mother wish to unite you more intimately to me. It is in your times of desolation that you are given the opportunity and grace to suffer with me. It is through your desolation that you can come to know the pain, suffering, and love of my heart. It is through your desolation, united to mine, that your life will also be most fecund. My desolation was so important for the salvation of the world that the Father willed for my mother to continue suffering my desolation on earth. Her suffering of solitude was her continuation of my desolation. And it produced and continues to produce a shower of graces for the world. I will stop a minute. When you're in desolation, open these words. The Lord has said to us, 
if my words remain in you, you will be faithful. These words are a guiding light for each of us. The desolations and consolations of our life are like a rhythm of waves. They come and they go. It's, it's a beautiful part of life to think that we are called to live this world solely in good times is such a lie. It's such a distortion of true happiness, of true life. The greatest gift of God for us on earth are the waves of desolation. Because they provide for us the waters of God, of baptism, of anointing, of blessing, of purification, of bathing and washing us. They provide the opportunities of the ascent to heaven. The solitude, the Lord says that his desolation was so important God chose his mother to remain on earth in the desolation of Christ to continue blessing the fecundity for the church. This is what every Christian is called to do as one with Mary. We're called to enter with her in this continuous life, life-giving life of Jesus' desolation on the cross as grace for the church. The Lord is telling us now, last night, he brought us into this retreat, into the cloister of Mary as her maidens, to enter the great battle against Satan for his church and the world. How are we going to battle? In the silence of the cloister. In the silence of the desolation. The Lord loves us so much. He tells us in advance, what a husband. (laughs) He tells us last night, the angels and saints are surrounding you here. Yet be prepared. Because tomorrow we're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) And he brings us into desolation. (laughs) And he's saying the wave of desolation is going to come and knock at our doors. And this talk is to prepare us, to be excited, to receive the desolation because 
without the desolation, God could not give life to us. We can't give life without birth pains. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to bless you in Mary, in her solitude, in her desolation, embrace it to help the church, to save souls. This is who we are. The Lord says, I desire for the souls that love me to live their times of desolation united to me and completely abandoned to the Holy Spirit. In this way, my hidden force will acquire the power of God to overcome the darkness in the world. You see how clear he says it? My cross is not my cross without the power of desolations lived with perfect faith. As the maidens, my sisters, I feel when we leave tomorrow or Monday, imagine each of your white horses waiting for you. (laughs) And we're going to mount the holy women of God. We're going to mount our horses. And if you read the book of Revelations, Jesus is mounted on the horse, on the white horse. And it says in the book of Revelations that he has souls with him. This is who we are. The warriors of God with Christ and Mary, our queen warrior mother for the great battle. Jesus is our head. He is our general, our commander in chief. He teaches us how to battle. If we contemplate Jesus crucified, he conquered death. He conquered Satan in the silence of suffering for love. It wasn't in the miracles. It wasn't in the preaching. It was on the cross in his passion, in desolation, in silence. Mary enters the first warrior with the Holy Spirit into the desolation of Christ on earth with mainly the holy women, Mary Magdalene. It says that Mary Magdalene, after Jesus' death, went into cloister. I was able to go in France on a pilgrimage to where her skull is. And it said that she lived like a hermit. She went into cloister. She was one with Mary. The holy women of God were with Mary. 
And the force for the church, the force for the apostles, for the men to be who they are being called to be and were called to be, came through the desolation of the silence of the warrior women. Nothing has changed, my sisters, in the church. Satan has tried to destroy womanhood by telling us we have to fight like the men. We have to become like men. Why? Because then we lose the power of who we truly are as women. And we, the mothers of the cross, the maidens of the cloister of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, are being raised up now for the great battle. And it is in silence and in desolation that we're going to battle. The silence of remaining, the second nail of crucifixion, May 20th, 2022. John 15, 9 says, remain in my love. Jesus continues to give himself fully for me. He remains faithful to me every time I sin and am unfaithful. He remains to receive the thorns of my brokenness and inability to love him as he has loved me. He doesn't leave. He doesn't reject me, criticize me, nor separate himself from me. He remains in the solitude of the tabernacle for me. He remains in the long suffering of waiting as he thirsts for my love. Remain is a key word for us. Do a search on your messages and see how many times throughout the years the Lord has been asking us using the word remain. He asked his apostles to remain attentive to him in Gethsemane. And he continues to plead with his bride, the church, remain with me in adoration, watch and pray. Remain gazing at me through the words of St. Paul. Remain suffering with me. Yet how many remain? Only those that enter the silence of union with God, the silence of Mary. Without silence and all these different levels of silence, God is having us understand. It is impossible to remain centered. Last night he said, remain centered 
in my love crucified. And you will have nothing to fear. Satan, my sisters, will try to uncenter us when we leave. We need to guard our time of prayer. We need to guard our gaze. All these levels of silence. The Lord permitted me to work on this for months. So that each of us would have this treasure of these teachings. Close to our hearts for us to meditate daily. To help us remain. Treasure what God has given us. Now in the second nail of crucifixion, I am called to love as one with Christ. I too must choose daily to remain in love by receiving the brokenness of souls and choosing to remain in patience, tenderness, mercy, compassion, slow to anger, and rich in kindness. I need to process my emotions, especially anger, frustration, disappointment, resentment, and sorrow in silence and prayer and give them to Jesus. I need to choose what pleases him, forgetting myself which is to remain in love. This daily struggle to choose to remain and continue to give myself fully to those most difficult begins to draw my soul into the soledad. The soledad is an interior desolation of heart that abandons her human desire to be loved the way she longs to be loved by creatures. God, in this second nail of crucifixion, hides from the soul to perfect her in love. Her self-love is dying. Praise be to God. (laughs) She must choose the solitude solely for the love of Christ to quench his thirst for love. Highlight that sentence. We must choose. It's it's an act of our will, not of our emotions. This abandonment to live by giving love, the roses, and receiving the thorns eventually bears the fruit of joy. That's why the Lord is constantly telling us rejoice. I love that he's constantly now telling us to dance with timbrel and dance. We're going to dance tonight. So be prepared. (laughs) It's a celebration. We're dancing tonight. (laughs) Because the victory has been won. The Lord is telling us, like Mary She was chosen to be the mother. 
of the Messiah. Mary lived in continuous awareness of that gift from God to her. She never lost the awe. The Magnificat reveals the beauty of that awe. She didn't say, oh, I'm not worthy. It can't be me. Oh, no. You know, she received. She listened. She didn't quite understand, So, but she didn't doubt. And she receives being chosen. She says, yes, fiat. And she lives in praising because she knows her lowliness. But she accepts what God has wanted, his will. So she lives her whole life giving herself to her beloved son, serving him, serving others, in desolation, in suffering, in difficulties, in trials. But interiorly, she never lost the joy. I am the chosen one. This is what the Lord said to us last night. The words are so powerful. He said, be prepared for a great battle as you leave. But remain in my peace because you are the women God the Father has chosen to enter Mary's cloister, to fight with her the great battle. Therefore, we need to enter and remain in the sorrows, but in a constant gratitude. That's how Mary lived. I've been chosen. We can't forget that. The moment we don't receive and accept that God has chosen us and has given us the grace to respond because we're nothing. It's all grace. We haven't merited anything. We have to live in joy. My sisters, ponder. I ask you to ponder and thank God every day. I'm chosen. Take with you the words that Our Lady gave us on the, on her feast day to the mothers of the cross, the maidens. Treasure those words. You have them in your booklets we've been chosen it's the ending of Matthew 22 on October 12th 2017 it's, it's something I wrote but at the end it says only in silence can I encounter the man of sorrows only in the silence of Eucharistic adoration can I choose to remain with him as his spouse.
to adore, thank, bless, caress, embrace, console, and love him. We have become maidens, contemplatives of Jesus' Eucharist. We more and more have to be before him, adoring him, loving him, kissing him, thanking him. This is who we are in Mary. This is our work. On 2023, February 14th, the Lord said, I chose to remain in this interior agony. Please memorize this sentence. I already have. (laughs) The Lord in one sentence defines his agony of love. He said, An agony that is both a fire of consuming divine love and the groans of excruciating sorrows. At least in my life, my sisters, I can enter the groans more and more of excruciating sorrows. But what I've been praying for is the fire of divine love. In Jesus' Christ, in his sacred heart, in the immaculate heart of my most holy mother, this agony of love is one. The fire of divine love of God and the groans of excruciating sorrows. That one sentence defines the sacred heart of Jesus. Our blessed mother, help us as our hearts are emptied more, purified in this silence, that the fire of the Holy Spirit, which is the fire of the love of the Father and the Son, take a blaze in our feminine hearts. I'm just going to stop here. Yesterday, I gave way too much to listen to, receive, <laughs> And I felt like I needed to enter a slower pace. So let's stop here. And the second reflection will just focus on the silence of receiving. Esposo mío, amado mío. Desde el pesebre hasta la cruz Te has entregado en mí en tu amor Crucificado tu corazón me has dado Moriste para mí y te has quedado encarcelado Tanto has amado que para mí te hiciste pan de vida para alimentarme y de tu 
por saciarme para vivir en mí y ahora al fin te digo sí me entrego toda a ti esposa amante y fiel para endulzar con mi beso de amor la de tu pasión mi amor esposo mío Esposo amado, has perdonado a tu esposa infiel, me has esperado como eterno enamorado y tu beso apasionado es más dulce que la miel. es donde hoy quiero amar sin miedo abrazada a ti en la cruz has consumado en mí tu amor y me has salvado has borrado mi pecado ha triunfado en mí tu luz y ahora al fin te digo, sí, me entrego toda a ti, esposa, amante y fiel, para endulzar con mi beso de amor la hiel de tu pasión.